Today on a brand new episode of Hello Ross, the hysterical Matt Rogers pops by to say... Now, am I a pop star? No, not necessarily yet. But again, I give it up to the capitalist adoring masses now. You can decide. Do you accept me as part of the Christmas canon or not? It's a vulnerable place to be in, Ross, to say, am I going to be seasonally ubiquitous or not? But I figure if not now, then never. All that and so much more. It's a brand new episode of Hello Ross. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, ho, 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 and a hi, 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 everybody. It is Ross Matthews. Welcome to the program. And it is that time of year. I don't know if you're in the mood, but I am. You know, I always think, is it going to kick in this year? Is that holly jolly thing going to happen? And um, it does. You know, it absolutely does. Except I'm in full panic mode because I've... I've purchased nothing in terms of gifts, nothing. Like when I say nothing, I mean nothing. I have one note in my phone with like two ideas, Um, but I'm not going to panic. You know, we live in a world where everything's like a two day delivery away. Or uh, I was just talking to a friend who said that they are only going to be shopping small businesses this year, which I think is beautiful. I would really, I really would love to do that because, you know, the big box stores and all that, mm -hmm, I would love to do that. I don't think I'm going to have my stuff together enough to do that. But maybe, maybe, how are you doing? You know, uh, one thing, if you're not in the mood, can I just recommend something? You need to schedule this out. Like don't willy nilly this. Okay. Because, um, it feels so different when you let yourself get the holly jolly spirit, whatever you celebrate, when you just stop fighting it and let that Santa spirit in everything gets a little better. And here's my mission to you, your homework. If you, if you choose to accept it, this is what I want you to do. If you really want to get in that, um, uh, the ho-ho vibe <laughs> is I want you to, uh, make some this weekend, like make a crock pot or a stew sort of thing, like just like a slow cooked thing or just order out. I don't care. This is not the most important part. I just would recommend a slow crock pot meal, but enough about that. But I need you to gather your loved ones, your families. You can Zoom a friend and do this with them if you want to, but watch something on TV, like dim the lights and watch a holiday special, like a Christmas movie or the, uh, you know, the do, 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 do the, what are the little peanuts called? Something like from your family, a tradition, watch one of those iconic holiday things. Remember the little claymation Rudolph? Watch that. Just do something to get your, remind yourself, shift your gear into holiday. I cannot tell you how much that'll help you. Tell you this with experience, because I just watched something recently that was so drenched in holiday and also happened to be hysterical that I couldn't resist getting into the holiday spirit. So what did I watch? Well, What I watched was created by our guest this week. Matt Rogers is an actor, a writer, a performer, and just a fabulous, fabulous human. I met him on the show that we can't talk about. And, oh, God, I did something terrible. 
You know, when you meet someone, you're like, oh my God, you're amazing. Let's be friends. And then they reach out and you just sort of drop the ball. Oh, so I'm going to apologize to him. He's here to get us in the holiday spirit with his brand new Christmas special on Showtime. I'm going to apologize to him face to face. You're all going to hear it. And uh, I can't wait for you to meet my friend, the fabulous Matt Rogers is here after the break to say hello, Ross. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hello, Ross. Uh, hello, Matt Rogers, the pop prince of Christmas. Look at you. I mean, it's really not up to me. It's up to the adoring masses. I give it up to the capitalist process now, really. I mean, <laughs> well, if they have to uh, uh, ingest it how they will. Uh, ho, ho, ho. I, I have to tell you, I watched your special. Um, you I cannot tell you how much. It was the thing I didn't know I needed to oh. celebrate the holidays. You guys, Matt Rogers, have you heard of Christmas? Is on Showtime Right now, we have to talk all about, I have so much to talk to you about, but first, can I just make a declaration? Oh God, please declare. I'm in Philly, so I'm, I'm in a place where like historically a lot of declarations get made. So Yeah, right now you it. are coming to us from Philadelphia and you are at in a, uh, a posh resort in Philadelphia right now? Yeah, it's called the Best Western. I'm told that it's uh, <laughs> some of the finest dignitaries have stayed here and luminaries <laughs> of the, you know, and, and the, the refrigerator is making an iconic sound. I don't know what it is, but. Have yeah, you gone downstairs to get that, that free continental breakfast? Have you oh, done that baby. yet? I just had about eight loose sausages and I looked at the eggs and I said, nope, 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 not going to happen. I'm so proud of you Thank for your you. restraint. Yes. Well, here's my declaration. And I want to say this to the world. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I'm very uh, proud of that, that I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. You know, I try to. I agree. Yeah. I think it's important to, to, to be kind, to be nice. But every once in a while, we, we mess up. We trip. Okay. It's good. It's big of you. It is big of me. Uh, you texted me and I didn't text back. Like yeah, we was... met, you, no, I was, we met, you texted me, Gross, great to meet you. Cause I wanted to be friends. I'm like, oh my God, he's great friends. And then I was so excited. Six months later, we see each other again and you're like, Hey, never got it back. You know what though? Listen, listen to me right now. It was so huge that you even went as far as to Write your phone number down, old-fashioned style, and hand it I to did. me on a piece of paper. Okay? We, the, we, we went so far, and then I was like – and we had such an incredible interaction at something we can't discuss. And so – and then I was a like – A TV you know, show we shot that we can't talk about. We can't yeah. talk about it. And um, then I was like, this is off to the races. And then I – you know what I figured? He's a busy man. He's one of the busiest men in Hollywood. He's one of the funniest people alive. And I was like, he'll get to it when he gets to it. And I was also not worried about seeing you again. You know what I mean? Of course it was going to happen, but I've never been more mortified. And so I have made oh, a please. decision. I decided to tell the world because it's almost like when you, when you decide, culture. 
thank you. When you decide yeah. to go on a diet, you tell everyone in your life so they can smack the pizza out of your hand. Exactly. I'm telling the world now, hold me accountable. Make me a better person. And thank you, Matt Rogers, for being kind enough to forgive me because I am a Matt Rogers super fan. I oh. think you are. I think you are so funny, so talented, such a good actor, such a great singer, and you have such a strong point of view. I am just such a super fan. So thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you so much. I mean, I respect you so much. I think you're just as a comedian, you're just, I mean, I just, it, it means the world to hear that from you. Seriously. I mean, that's the cool part of this is I get to, you know, by extension through doing some, some of my work, I get to meet people I respect. And then sometimes they say nice things like that. So I'll, I'll be on cloud nine today in the best West Darren. And you know what? I, I think the reason I'm such a fan uh, of you and because of all your skills is, is they're all shown off in this Christmas special. I have to talk about Matt Rogers. Have you heard of Christmas? Which I think is the exact thing we need out of the, after the really rough few years we've had. I watched it and I had complete, a huge smile, joy the entire time. It is so silly and so funny. And so as Drew Maryborg called it when you were on our show this week, so filmic, like it's so, it's just Thank beautifully you. shot as well. Where'd you, you shot that somewhere in New York, right? We, did, we shot it in Joe's pub. And so I, yeah. I, I, but I was really, um, Joe's pub has such an iconic look yeah. that I wanted it to feel like it was um, in its own atmosphere. So like people who are big fans of Joe's pub might recognize the layout and like might see it as Joe's pub, but I wanted it to feel like it was completely almost obnoxiously de decked out in Christmas, you know? So the, the team did an amazing job. And you told you it, celebrate Christmas in such a way that's like almost like, um, cheese fest in that beautiful way. That's like more is more. Are you a more is more maximalism. Kind of Yes. I mean, the, look, all my references are like di the big divas, right? I mean, Mariah Carey is really the North Star of the special. So for people who haven't yet watched it, it's basically it's a documentation of me trying to become the Prince of Christmas and join Mariah as the Queen of Christmas and the Christmas canon so that hopefully I can, you know, attach to the monoculture that is Christmas and make money after every year of doing it. You know what I mean? And it gets bigger it's and brilliant. bigger. Attach I really, yourself to Christmas. Everyone sell, you know, it's a, a lot of people hack. celebrate it every year. Hello. Yeah. And so hack. I just thought like, oh, how do you do that? You make a Christmas album. Now, am I a pop star? No, not necessarily yet. But you know, again, I give it up to the capitalist adoring masses now. You can decide. Do you accept me as part of the Christmas canon or not? It's a vulnerable place to be in, Ross, to say, am I going to be seasonally ubiquitous or not? But I figure if not now, then never. I think you've really planted your seed uh, in terms of like, <laughs> hey, hey, you guys, give me, give me a Christmas chance. And I have to say, the show is a Christmas, a Christmas miracle, is what wow. it is, because it's so smart. Because it cuts between this this cabaret Christmas cabaret show, yeah. um, in in Joe's Pub to these uh, like sketches that are so funny. I love the scene when you are sitting with all of your PR team and they all mm -hmm. have high ponies. And just like it's <laughs> I so said, funny. they all need long extensions in the ponytail. I want them all. <laughs> and you know, so a joke good. I cut was they're all named Katie. Even Pat Regan, <laughs> who plays the boy, they're all named Katie, and they all have the same hair. And I just I just wanted that aesthetic for my team, and that felt yeah, right for me. Uh, you know, it's so funny because one time, the first time I, I met Martha Stewart, I was on The View and she was wearing a, um, she was wearing a camel colored shirt and uh, apricot colored pants. Uh -huh. And everyone in her team was wearing the reverse apricot colored shirts and tan pants. You understand? Or that? Else. I, I was like, or else. And I just yeah. remember thinking, that's it. That That's, that's success. power. 
You know what I mean? Being able to dictate the aesthetic of the people around you, that's true power. And I would like to think that the narcissist version of Matt Rogers that I play, the heightened version of myself, was like, the girls better have their hair together today when I come to the meeting, and I want to see you in that gold chain with a turtleneck. Like, I have a specific aesthetic for my girls. But, yeah, it was. it's really – um. I, my director, whose name is Jerome Max Hagay, like I was meeting with him and he really nailed it for me when he said he said that he wanted the staged version that took place on Joe's Pub to feel throwback. Like I've always wanted a very classic look, like contrasted with a very modern comedy. And the reference he said, and I feel like you'll appreciate this. Um, he was like, I- I've been told not to tell this to you because you might not get it, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Sandra Bernhard, I'm still here, damn it. Oh I God. almost fell out of my chair. Because that was, when I was younger, that was a formative comedy album for me. Because I think I was like, you know, 13, 14 when I discovered it on the streaming service Rhapsody. And it was like, it was like I was being told from the future or from somewhere else out there, like what my sense of humor was. It was like Mm -hmm. her, Margaret Cho. It was very Mm -hmm. much like that sort of like alt stand up from like a very powerful woman on stage where they weren't afraid to burst into song. And so then when he said that, and I realized I have the opportunity to sort of throw it back to a style like that, that was what I really wanted for the stage version of it. That sort of whiskey soaked classic look of someone that was like really just going for it on stage and send to like contrast that with the sketches. I felt said what, what I was trying to do cohesively. I totally see that in there. And I actually, I remember thinking about Sandra when she was doing those albums, like that she would be so funny and then she would sing in a way that wasn't funny. Like she was just a really, she was a good singer and she right. was giving it her all. And I remember thinking that was so vulnerable because on, as a comic, it's like we almost, we can never be the the sexy one. We can never be the singer. We can, we always kind of have to be the, the, the joke or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what it is? You stop at taking yourself too seriously, right? Because yeah. as comedians, as the jesters, we're not supposed to take ourselves seriously or anything seriously. In fact, we're supposed to punch up. We're supposed to like say the truth. We're supposed to be the ones that are saying, quote unquote, the thing. And then when, God forbid, you were to start to do something vulnerable or earnest, and then potentially you could be the thing. That's weird because maybe you're not that good. Or who does this person think he is that he has the right to do that? But I just feel like over the years, what I've tried to do is eliminate the checkpoints. I've really tried to, and I'll be honest with you, you know who was huge in me doing this was actually Rue and just Drag Race in general. Just this idea that you have to eschew the rules. You know, it's all drag. It all doesn't make sense. And as long as you're having fun and everyone else is having fun. Well, and also on that show, to your point, you know, they they do allow the contestants to be so well-rounded and try everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually am I'm very envious. I thought of that when when I was watching your thing because I, I came up in a different way. I came up on Leno and was sort of like the joke until I had to prove that I was funny enough to stick around and blah, blah, blah. And I was looking at you up there and I was thinking how freeing that he can – because, you know, I can I love singing. I can sing, but I never do it because it's like, uh, oh, no one wants that for me. or you know. And I felt like what you did in this special it was you're just like, who, I don't care what, what you want from me. This is what I do. And you laid all your skills out there. And it just – it just was so great. 
to watch. Thank you. I think that in many ways I did know. I mean, I think people may have known who I was in like a sort of niche, like gay notable way. You know what I mean? People might know who I am as an extension of Bowen. They may know who I am because they watch I Love That For You or listen to the podcast or maybe they watched Fire Island. But I I knew if this was going to be an opportunity for me to introduce myself to people as who I am, I wanted to say, look, this is my sensibility. This is what I'm capable of. This is my, these are my interests. And even though it's a high concept special and that it's like about Christmas and it's musical, I still would distill this and say, I'm very confident in it as my debut comedy special because I am references. I am, you know, what I love. I am music like that. That those are the things that make me excited and make me, me. I mean, Whenever anyone asks me my comedic influences, I always say the way Mariah Carey coos a note, the way Celine Dion beats her chest and belts to God. Like, those are my comedic influences. Like, God love you if for you it's The Simpsons. Like, I understand. It's just not mine. And I don't Uh think you need comedy or comedians to be your comedic influences. Like, and I think that's what's cool about, you know just just stepping out of it and doing that drag race thing, that Rue thing of like fuck everything that makes sense like what's true to you and so in that way i do feel like i'm just proud of it and can point to it and be like yeah that's me in that little hour that's me i love that and i love your references because i'm a pop culture super fan as well and specifically like 90s was probably the best decade in the history of time for pop culture maybe okay maybe the first 2000s because we had the the lindsey uh, Paris, Nicole Richie. That was it definitely all. A, well. That was like a deconstruction of the '90s, right? So I totally. feel like the '90s was like when monoculture was at its best because it was like you know the internet was popping off. There weren't that many like news sources, so everyone was enjoying everything. I mean, I I don't think it's ever um, going to be um, spelled out more than like Titanic fever. You know, Thank every you. single it, person in the world knows every word of that movie, mm-hmm. and that will never happen again. And then I feel like in the 2000s, that's sort of like that sort of like monoculture and like the worship of celebrity turned like a little darker in a way that was both fun but also now you're looking back and you're like whoa dark totally dark it's not going to age well but you know but the 90s will age well because to your point with titanic and what i want the kids to understand just so everybody can figure out what the 90s was like titanic came out late 90s and in the mid 90s we had a Britney, a Christina, a InSync, a Spice, Backstreet Spice Girls. Yep. Spice, thank you so much for Spice Girls. Oh, and, yeah. and then, of course, the Celine of, the, of it all, Mariah. The, it was like the gay gods really opened up the heavens that decade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, from, from like 95 to 2000, just in those five years alone, there was so many stars born and we still have them today. And then when you think about outside of that too, like in television, in movies, like that was the, really the era, the peak of Julia, Sandra. I mean, Jennifer Aniston on television. I mean, uh, hello, threw, friends. Yeah, I must mean, see all, TV. All that stuff. And then Sex in the City started. So there's these things that now you see um, the culture really trying to replicate. And yeah. um, actually trying to hang on to in ways that feel both nostalgic, but also kind of sad because we really can't create um, because of the lack of the monoculture and how disconnected we are as a society. We really can't create new institutions. And that's why I actually decided that Christmas was the perfect entry point for me because it is mo- Christmas will always be monoculture like you know, people say there's a war on Christmas. I would tell them to go out into Times Square. Christmas ain't going nowhere. Your holiday yeah. is fine. Your but holiday's like, just fine. Because we all have a, Target. Yes, <laughs> we all have a reference point for it. 
and therefore we all have an opinion on it. So whether you love Christmas still, like unapologetically, or want to drag it to hell, there's something there for you in it. Whereas like with the stuff we're talking about, it's like it, you'd have to go back years to find things that we all even have a language for. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny you talk about how like um, people are trying to replicate the magic. How do you feel about, because I have strong feelings about when they're remaking all these movies, like the new mm -hmm. Lion King. I don't think we needed it. I think it if terrible. I want to watch the, if I want to watch the Lion King, I'll go watch the Lion King. Yeah, there's it's a perfectly great. good one. Perfectly good one. Yeah. Now they're doing the Little Mermaid. I'm, I'm open to it. The Beauty and the Beast. I didn't want it. The, the live action. I didn't want to see it, but I actually loved it. But like, yeah, so. you know, I just, what happened to having new ideas? What happened to having like a, making something brand new? I think that, you know, people probably have new ideas all the time, but the fact is you have to go to someone with the money and the influence and the decision-making power and they have to say yes. And they just don't say yes to that shit anymore. They just don't like, but they, they said they, yes to you. That's, that's what I was getting to is because of the, because your comedy special, your Christmas special is so unique. How did you convince them to do something? You had a brand new idea and you had to say, yes, it pulls from here and here and here, but it's it's never been done like this before. How did you convince Showtime and Bravo Showtime for putting it on? How'd you get them to do it? Well, this is what I'll say. And I love Showtime and I, I'm on, I love that for you as well. But I pitched Which this we're going to talk about because I love that show, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Bayer. it's such a great thing in my life to have that show. But when I tell you, I pitched it everywhere. I pitched mm -hmm. it everywhere simultaneously. I, there wasn't like a pecking order. I just pitched it everywhere. Showtime was the only place that said yes. And, and so, and it, and it wasn't because the pitches didn't go great. I left every single one feeling confident. I felt like I represented the idea. You know, I thought I looked cute on the zoom, the whole <laughs> thing. Like my reps were like, that was great. They'd be crazy. Showtime was the only place that wanted to do it. I think because I had the relationship with them from, I love that for you. Uh -huh. And, um, they also said yes to this back before I Love That For You was even picked up to series. So, really? Yes, they didn't even know that show was going to be good or a success or anything. So they really did take a chance on it. But when I tell you that, like, it's like this with, and I'm sure you know, but everyone I know has a very hard time. It's a really tough time right now to sell new ideas or any ideas at all because what people know is going to make money are properties that everyone knows. You know what I mean? You look at what makes money now and it is all the usual suspects. It is Fast and the Furious 12, you know, Minneapolis drift at this point. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. So yes. And tough. if you, if, if, and if you're going to do something that is a little bit risky, they usually want like the hugest star in the world, you know, yes. Gaga Christmas special or something like that. So Bravo. And I have to say Showtime is doing such interesting uh, stuff. You know, they, uh, especially, I love that for you is, is really, is so good. If people aren't watching that, I told you, I dorked out of uh, when we first met, remember the time after you texted me and I didn't text back, but, but that time when we met, yeah. because the show is so funny and, t and twisted in a way, Vanessa Bayer from Saturday Night Live, of course, SNL mm -hmm. um, stars as like this girl who always loved like a HSN QVC sort of show uh, channel and would watch it and obsess and then she gets on it by kind of pretending that her cancer's back it's very twisted and like yeah so she's got cancer as a kid and the way she gets through is she watches this the home shopping network or as we call it in our show the special value network and yes. then she gets the job as an adult fucks up and realizes she misses her chance so sh she says she has cancer again to use as an on-air hook and it's that's so why they keep her on twisted yeah. and not okay but also okay. hilarious and but jennifer you know lewis I like? the iconic jennifer lewis plays what the I, boss 
And yeah, you're persistent. She, she's like amazing. And what I love about it is it's about a good person who makes a mistake that on paper, especially nowadays, you'd be like, put her in jail. Fuck her. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she'd Terrible. be like canceled, canceled for, for a lack of a better word, which because it's such an overused word. And now it's I understand. Like, whatever. I know. But canceled like, should be canceled. I'm for over real. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, unless someone really earns it, you know what I mean? Like you yeah, know Kanye who we're talking West, about. Cancel him. Cancel Get him out of here. Yeah, Kick yeah. him all Harvey the way Weinstein, out. Harvey Weinstein, you're out. Yeah. You're out. <laughs> and you're he out. really you is. I mean, and not even on the earthly plane anymore. So basically like, um, can't get more canceled than that. But no. um, I, I just feel like I do like that take on what is happening right now because it's not a one-to-one. You're not watching like, you know, it's about an assault and it's like heavy. It's like, yes, it's about cancer, which is dark and lying about it is dark, but it's such a goofy, silly show and you really are on her side. I so guess. in that way, you can like examine this thing about what it means to be a good person that does a bad thing and it not be too heavy because the characters are really fun it's a really fun ensemble i mean you mentioned jennifer molly shannon is also on the show turning in a performance and a half and it's just every day it's like something so fun and different and speaking of molly shannon so you you work with her on on i love that for you is it did you also write on the other two because that's my other favorite show out there it is so outrageously funny. When I watched the other two, I paused it and I turned to my husband. And I was like, I need to know the team of gays that wrote this because this <laughs> is so hilarious. And you talk about pulling from pop culture and sort of the references. It is so great. And, and if you're not, these shows should be the number one and two shows on TV. They're so outrageously oh, funny. But so how do you do this? It's very interesting that you have this career where you're able to write. You have uh, your podcast with Bo and Yang, uh, who I met with you and who's been yeah. on this podcast, Hello Ross as well. Um, and so, and now you're touring with this Christmas show. So what like a well-rounded career you have going on. I'm curious, like what's next? What do you want to do? You know, what's the thing? I- I think that you'll probably get this, like when I say it is, we do what we have to do to, to, to continue in this business. And it's hard. And I have had many years of being able to cultivate all these different skills because no one was really watching. You know what I mean? Like I came up in New York comedy um, and pounded the pavement. It's so funny because I never really saw myself doing that as a young kid that wanted to grow up and, you know, be a star or whatever. Like I never thought like, oh, the way that I'll do that is by doing three shows a night, five days a week in New York. You know, I just never saw that for myself because I didn't see a lot of comedians like me stand-up comedians like me i just didn't you probably understand this too like there was not really a foothold for how to be us um and so in that way i'm actually kind of grateful looking back because i did try to get good at everything i went to school at nyu and got my degree in writing so that by the time i got hired for my first writing staffing job with the other two i I had that education you know like i had been doing sketch comedy for years writing it performing it i did a little musical theater when i was in college i just found ways to like do things i enjoyed so that hopefully one day when i got the opportunity i'd be ready and now that it's all like happening in a way which feels even crazy to say i think the thing i want to keep doing is act i think that that's really what i want to do is i would love to like continue to build my resume up in that regard because if i look back at the seven-year-old who was obsessed with titanic and was watching that movie and watched kate winslet turn around in that hat and look at the titanic and say Mm -hmm. it doesn't look any bigger than the mauritania the same way she was interested in bigger like me too in this regard like i i really do want to keep doing interesting cool fun projects because another thing i don't take for granted is that in this year 
I mean, if I'm to say what my three projects were, it was Fire Island, I Love That For You, and Now Have You Heard of Christmas. And the, the, the thread through all of them is that I love talking to them, talking about them. And I love, um, you know, just... I know how rare that is that not everyone like goes out there to represent themselves and what they're doing and actually loves the project. So that's what I would like to keep up is just being involved in things that I think are really interesting or funny or with really cool, talented, inspiring people that represent something that I believe in. And I hope that that can come from acting because I really enjoy it. And I think it's the thing that challenges me the most and in terms of what I create, like I would love to do another show like this, which is a full album musical show. I have an idea for one, but um, it's still percolating. And but but yeah, I mean, performing is what I love to do. So that's that's what I'm interested in. Well, what's so exciting for me is like not only can you perform and like we talk about using all the tools in your tool belt that you really show off in this special, but you know, you also have the ability you can be creating your own projects too. And that's really exciting as like a fan of yours. Yeah, I'm really excited. And, you know, I was thinking, I was looking, of course, doing my research for this, that you were born in 1990, <laughs> which I was like, oh, my God. I, I was born in 79. So yeah. I'm about 10 years older than you. And so I love to see what 10 years can do in terms of how you're being so welcomed by the entertainment industry and, and being so supported. And, you know, I, I'm you're in a Best Western in Philadelphia. I'm in my house here on Long Island because I, when I moved to New York, uh, we bought a house out here. And I was, I, I yeah, just found out I grew you, up in Suffolk you're County. from Long I was Island? Born in, I was born in Babylon, but I grew up in Islip. And now my parents still live in West Babylon. Yeah. I love that. So they're basically <laughs> the same it. person now. And with initials, younger. initials switched. Um, MRRM. It's sort of, oh, yeah. you know. Wait, can I ask, when you were growing up in Long Island, like, what was your holiday tradition? Because I love how unabashedly you know what, Hojo, Holly Jolly you know what's funny you are, is it's like, it was always too. about everything but the religious aspect of the holiday. Like, it was so funny. Like, I, I, that's part of what I riff on in the special. Like, when I sing the song, Have You Heard of Christmas? He basically has no reference point or no knowledge of, like, why this holiday even exists. But he, like, knows that we need to be connected in it. Like, he knows it's important, but not necessarily why at all. And that is sort of how I grew up with it. I mean, I knew Santa for sure. We all know her. And you know, sat uh-huh. on his lap, did the whole nine. That big old queen. <laughs> that big queen. And um yeah. so basically, like <laughs> it was very much the cultural aspects of Christmas that I was responding to and was a part of. Like the gift giving, the togetherness of family, you know, the the drinking at a certain point, the merriness. But you know, that's what I think is so funny about Christmas, is it is so many things and can be so many things that like the way I celebrated Christmas was very just like suburban Long Island gift forward, you know, decorations forward. You get together cookie forward, cookie forward you get together with the, with the one extended family on one side on Christmas Eve and the other on Christmas. So, so there's it's diplomatic, you know? Yeah. So that, and the gift yes. opening like yeah. right away on, on Christmas day, you know, leaving the cookies out, the whole thing, you know, <laughs> I love it's true it's like I don't I don't really totally understand what the religious part is because I don't know the Bible so right. much I didn't grow up with it and so yeah. I think it, Jesus was born I, th- I think so. I think he was born and that's Christmas is that Christmas but like other things like like in the words of Mariah frankincense and myrrh I don't know her like I I I I, I the three wise men <laughs> thank you for quoting um, it could have been five wise men six seven yeah. i don't understand what, what what was three i mean that was a most iconic uh thruple ever i guess 
The first throuple. <laughs> Hilarious. It's, you bring up... You bring up Mariah, and so I just, you know, we started where you talk about that Mariah is the undisputed queen of Christmas, yeah. inspired you to do this, uh, to become the <laughs> pop prince of Christmas, which is so funny. Have you okay. heard so from Mariah? now that it's come out, I can talk about it. So basically, Bowen was invited as a guest on Cody Rigsby from Peloton's talk show, which is called LOL Cody. And so I don't know if you know, but Mariah has like a huge partnership with Peloton this December. It's sort of how she's like paying paying for it all this year. It's like kind of whoever she partners with, like whether it's like, I don't know, Capital One, fucking Target, whatever. This year it's Peloton, okay? So she like, it was like, she like had a video of her riding a Peloton, like, like saying, it's time, the whole thing. She's partnered with Peloton. So Bowen because he's the sweetest, best, my best friend, was like, you need to be a special guest on the show so you can um, promote the special. And I was like, that's so nice. Like, And I was in the audience riding along while they did their interview and they would throw to me for jokes or whatever. So Mariah came out at the end and did a bit with Cody. And it was like a two-second bit. And when I tell you, it was okay. like oh elusive Chanteuse, the house down. It was like she appeared in a cloud of smoke, came out, did the bit, and then left. But before she left... She's so she's of course in 98 inch heels and she's like up on this pat on this platform and I'm riding the bike, the Peloton bike, like right next to her. And I can tell it's like by design because they knew I'm a huge fan. So she looks at me in the eyes and she says, can you help me down? And I don't know anyone that knows, knows Peloton knows you are snapped into that bike seat your bite your feet so i nearly broke my legs trying to twist myself out of that thing i was like oh my god get out of here she needs your help she could fall the, the blood Cut off your legs if you literally need to. the blood of the queen of christmas is not going to be on your hands like you've loved this woman <laughs> since you were six seven years old like please like everything oh my god and so i get out i literally touch her hand i i, I lead her down I, my hand was probably so sweaty aka peloton vibes and i lead her over to her like security guard and i'm like do you have her this is precious cargo she gets up goes away i like almost pass out everyone's screaming so and then i turn around one before i get back into my seat and she's over in the corner and she's peering out the door and she just goes matt love you because i think someone on her team might have told her like just so you know like that's a huge lamb wait a second she said say it again the words she said she said matt love you and beforehand, Bowen told me that, so when Bowen was getting ready to go on, they had come to him and they said, Mariah would like to say hi to you. So it's like the queen beckons. So he had to go over and like say hi to her first. And like, but then she came out and like did the surprise thing. But that was truly surreal. Like that was can like I, unbelievable. Um, I, I can confirm something for you. Go. That her team probably did tell her you oh that's the map because i met mariah one time oh my god i was on this live television sag red carpets e wow and i'm hosting it was precious it was precious year here when she was precious so year. stunning in that movie so mm -hmm. fab so fab and i'm on the red carpet all of a sudden mariah's walking down and she's not talking to any press and i'm like oh mariah's walking by she's not stopped she's not i'm like i'm not stopping all of a sudden she stops and walks over to me and she has a fan and she goes my glam team just says, I have to say hi to you because you're fabulous. So hi. And then I was like, hi. And then she walked away. That's it. So someone on her glam team is plugged in 
to the cool gays. Yes. You understand the gays that, that, and I'm, I'm, I've never called myself a cool gay, but the, you know, the ones who worship her enough that they deserve a pit stop and a hello and just a, a moment of eye contact. It's just, uh, I mean, she really does love the lambs. And apparently I heard afterwards that, um, someone on her team did, did, did like, let us know that they told her like, just so you know, Mariah, there's some real lambs in the, in the audience at the Peloton thing. Like there's some real lambs that, that are on the bikes. And apparently and that's she, what they, she calls her fans. Lambs. Lambs. We're in the lamely. We're the lambs. Any, if any straight people are listening, that's what yes. um, she calls. Yes. Her fans. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and thank you straights for joining us today. Thank you. That's so thank amazing. You. Everyone's welcome here. Yes. Um, we would hate for anyone to feel uncomfortable out there listening just because something's wrong with them. You know what I mean? Like, don't you're fine. <laughs> um, so, so basically I, then, then, then apparently she turns to her team member that said this and she with wide eyes said, seriously don't tell me that if there's not lambs out there i'll be really sad if i go out there and like no one cares so she, she even mariah carey i think she knows but she she has a, a special place in her heart for the true lambs because we all know being a mariah carey fan has is an up and down situation like the highs are high the lows are low and the true lambs have really stuck through the whole thing and i'm telling you i'm Proud a true you. lamb you know the day that glitter came out September 11th, 2001. You know who was at the record store when my mom came and picked me up that day early because of a national tragedy? I thought she was picking me up to go get the Mariah Glitter album. I said, Mom, oh, did you no. pick me up special to go get the Mariah Glitter album? She said, no, I just want you home with me. I said, why? What happened? She goes, I, I don't know how to explain. I'll explain when I get home. I was like, well, we have to stop by Virgin Records. She goes, Matt, I don't think it's going to be open. I'm like, why wouldn't it be open? It's Tuesday. Oh, my God. That's your memory of 9-11? I was 11 years old, and I was, wow. I was literally all I had. I remember, I remember Ross literally waking up in the morning, looking at my calendar, being like, it's September 11th, 2001, the day I've been waiting for. Mariah Carey's Glitter comes out. I remember writing the header on my paper, being like, can't wait to listen to Loverboy and Never Too Far when I get out of uh, class today. So my mom, I'm in the car and she's like unable to un to explain to me what's happening. So I'm like, of course, you're an 11 year old kid. How she explained. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like losing my faculties. I'm like, mom, are you seriously taking me home and saying we're not going to get the album? I've been talking about it for weeks. She goes, OK, you know what? Because I think she realized then like she couldn't deal with all that was going on. And also me, like my little gay ass, like, like probably like throwing a fit. So she goes, we'll go to the record store. So we go to the record store. The, the employees are clearly traumatized she had explained of to me course. a little bit what was happening i thought it was an accident because I, I couldn't understand at that point the magnitude of the evil you know what i mean like yeah i, I was just a little kid and also pre 9 11 we were all just different you know we just didn't understand i had never heard the word terrorism you know i didn't know what that was so they like they like creak the door open a little they're like hi she goes, hi, listen the mariah carey album it's right over there i see it like he, he needs it like um they're like we're closed ma'am she goes i understand just please just the last thing you do today i swear to god i, I swear they're like okay we bought the album i took it home i think i listened to it for like a couple hours before it actually sunk in what was happening and then it was just like oh it became such a dark moment but literally up until that point i had been in this gay fantasia of mariah and so literally like I'm, I'm saying like, and then obviously the glitter thing was a disaster, like, you know, and yeah, like everything. it was not good. It was the whole thing. But like when I say like she is she, like, it, it, 
that's that's the fan that's 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 how deep my fandom goes i got it and and i just want to tell you now that woman who you will always never of course forget that moment but like who you worship she peeked around a corner after you have made this christmas special very much in her honor and she's a running sort of joke throughout about how you aspire to that she knows your name matt well maybe i think i think she at least knew my name in that moment they were like, maybe someone was just like, his name is Matt. He's a huge lamb. And then she said, Matt, love you. And then went home to rock and roll and never thought of me again. What do you, her kids rock and roll. What do you think? What would you, what would you do if you found out that she watched this special? You know what? I, I would hope that she thinks it's funny because, and I, and I hope that she feels like respected and honored and treasured by it in the way that I do feel for her. Because I also know that like, you know, I do write this song, the hottest female up in Whoville like which is a song that she that that I make up that she writes from the perspective of Martha May Huvier and the Grinch. So like and and I I write it in the style of like a Mariah Carey like 2000s like you know mid-tempo R&B song and I hope she feels like tributed by that and not in any way like you know I I just don't I I understand the sensitivity that comes with like you know being someone that people are watching a little bit now more than I ever did. And I just hope that she knows how much I love her. That's all I hope. She, There is no way that to, to watch this special and not understand how much you love Mariah Carey, how much you love Christmas, and how talented, undeniably funny and talented and smart you are. Everybody, oh please check out Matt Rogers. Have you heard of Christmas? It premiered on December 2nd on Showtime. Also, I love that for you. Is it coming back for season two? Okay, so they have written season two. But the show is not officially picked up yet because there's a lot going on with like CBS, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of boring stuff. But basically, it's written. We're ready to go shoot it. And I've heard that it's really great. But if you love I Love That For You, let them know. Like, tweet about it. Be streaming again. Like, because the show does need a little bit of help right now. But I know the plan was to pick it up. And then some things changed. And now it's just sort of out of our hands in a corporate way. So be supporting the show. I hope it happens, and no matter what, season one is a triumph. The other two airs on HBO. You've written for that. Fire Island, of course. Out. Everybody's seen that. Matt Rogers, mm. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, and as Ross. soon as we hang up here, I'm just going to text you again to reiterate <laughs> and try to crawl my way back into your good graces. But seriously. And we had so much fun on Drew Barrymore, too. That was such a blast. And also, I couldn't even believe that was happening. She's another one that I've loved my entire life. I, I don't even know how you do that all the time. Like, it's Drew Barrymore. Anymore. I know it's weird. You you start to forget that it, it just becomes your friend Drew, but it is it is very. At first, you're like, whoa. Even I still sometimes I'll look over and be like, oh my god, it's like Drew Barrymore. I know, I know. It's her. It's like a it's like a true totally, icon. Totally. And you were. And so are you. Well, it took you long enough to say that about me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Matt Rogers, I am probably your biggest fan, and I'm so uh, honored that you came on here. Thank you, everyone. Uh, The special, Have You Heard of Christmas? Matt Rogers on Showtime. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. We'll be right back with my happy ending. It's the best thing I've seen all week. And welcome back to the program. I told you you're going to love Matt Rogers. Isn't he just fabulous? I know. I know. And I promise you, I'm never going to not text somebody again. It's like, I don't know what happened. It's just, I got it. I, anyway, I think I was driving and then I was, no excuses. That's my New Year's resolution is to return every email and every text. I'm going to do it. I promise you. And yes, it was my New Year's resolution last year too. <laughs> okay. 
Don't judge me. It's time for my uh, my happy ending. It's the best thing I've seen this week. And it comes from goodhousekeeping.com. They ranked all the, the best holiday movies of all time. I thought it was sort of appropriate this week to talk about because if Matt Rogers special doesn't get you in the mood, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. But if you need more, there's they have the list of 72 best Christmas movies of all time ranked. I don't agree with everything on the list. We're just going to talk about top five. Coming in at number five is the Charlie Bound Christmas uh, from 1965. This is not one of my favorites. I need more dialogue than a do 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 do. I need a storyline. Um, I've seen it. Didn't stick with me. I think number six is better. Number six was Elf. Elf is from 2003. Now that should be in the top five. Sorry, not sorry. Coming at number number four is A Christmas Story from 1983. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Remember that one? Honestly, I would put that at number one. I would. Number one would be A Christmas Story for me, but they have it at number four. Whatever. Coming in at number three, I can, okay, I get behind this one. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Remember? That one, I will agree, should be in the top five. I like that it's twisted a little bit too. Uh-huh. I will tell you, uh, uh, number two is the one I mentioned earlier, and I, I'm fine with this here. It's the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from 1964, the claymation one with the little gay elf with him. Now, that's a cute movie. I'm on board with that. And the number one choice, according to Good Housekeeping, this would not be my number one because I have never seen it. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. I know. I know. Maybe this Christmas will be the one where I watch it. I just don't know. I Somehow I missed it as a kid. I never watched it. So I'll make a promise to you. If you if you promise to watch Matt Rogers' comedy special or any of these movies to get yourself in the holiday spirit, I will. This Christmas, I will watch It's a Wonderful Life, the 1946 classic. It was nominated for six Academy Awards. Frank Capra is a wonderful director. Um, I've seen other films of his, so I bet I'll like it. Can I just also throw one out there? Uh, uh, it's a Christmas movie for grownups that is um, not suitable for kids. I just made my husband watch it for the first time. And he was like, what am I watching? Uh, it's Bad Santa. It's very twisted. Very, very, very twisted. But I, I don't know why. It makes me laugh because... It just is so the sense of humor my dad had. So if you want to watch something when the kids go to bed, watch Bad Santa if you've never seen it before. So those, are, according to Good Housekeeping, are the top five Christmas movies of all time. What are your favorites? Make sure you hit me uh, hit me up on uh, social media. I'm at Hello Ross across the board. Next week, we have a real treat for you. Do you want me to tell you who it is? Okay, I will. Uh, last week, we had Susan Allen on Medium uh, Psychic talking to us about grief. Well, this week coming up, we're going to have Teresa Caputo, the most famous psychic medium in the entire world. She's going to help us through the holiday season. If you're struggling with grief or you're just curious about the afterlife, uh, Teresa Caputo is going to be here. She's going to give me a reading on her podcast as well. So mark your calendars. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Until next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me, Ross Matthews. Thanks so much for listening. It means a ton. Make sure you like us, give us a good review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find us on video at Cumulus Podcast Network on YouTube. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.